Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. This is Dan Spate. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening Listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. Let's pray, guys. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to sit down together and study this evening. We pray your blessings upon our study. We pray your blessings upon those who will be listening. And we pray your, your hand would be on all of us that we might learn the things that we need to do and that we might have the courage to apply them to our lives. We thank you, Father, for, for the power of the word. We thank you, Father, for all that went on before us and uh, so that it can teach us and we can learn, and we can understand, and that we can become the very best we can be. And we thank you for that. Bless us, Father. We know that all we have is because of your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in Leviticus chapter 9 and 10. We're going to be at the end of Leviticus 9 and the and Leviticus chapter 10. And this is a this is a doozy of a chapter. Well, yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, there's been a lot of controversy about this chapter, but what happens in the first couple of verses, you know, so hopefully we'll dispel some of that. You know? Well, we're definitely going to talk about it. And so let's let's get into the proper frame of reference here. Let's talk about what's going on. So narratively in the story, mm -hmm. right, um, Moses went up onto the mountain. So they're still at Sinai in Leviticus. Moses goes up on top of the mountain. He's up there receiving the rest of the covenant. They've already agreed to the covenant while Aaron is up there 40 days and 40 nights. The Israelites and Aaron can't handle what what this what real a real God is, what mm -hmm. real divinity is. They can't handle it. They're freaking out. And so in a bid to control God, right? And in a bid to control Yahweh, they decide they're gonna make an image. And they're gonna sacrifice to it and they're gonna party it up and they're gonna do all those things. So they make the golden calf, the sex is 32. So this breaks covenant. The first thing they were told is you shall not make an image. And that's mm -hmm. what they did. They made an image for God. So it broke covenant. Now in Exodus 34, Moses goes up on the mountain to intercede. And Exodus 33, 34 into 34, he goes up on the mountain to intercede. God says, I'm going to restore the covenant. But it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. It hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. So the rest of Exodus is God basically getting the tabernacle set up. Now the tabernacle is set up. The glory of the Lord, this is Leviticus 1, the, or Exodus, the last verses of, of Exodus and Leviticus 1. The glory of the Lord is on the tabernacle, but Moses and Aaron cannot enter in. Mm -hmm. Nobody can enter in. So Leviticus 9 is all about them cleansing sin so they can re-enter into the presence of God. That's, it, that's it's Leviticus chapter 9 is getting them to the point where, where the covenant is going to be reestablished and reconnected to them. Right. That's what happens at the end of chapter 9. That's right. That's it's, what happens. It's huge. So let's read the end of chapter 9 real quick just to see how big of a deal this is, right? This is where we ended last last Right. Week. 
So Leviticus 1.1 says God spoke to them from the tent. They're mm -hmm. outside that tent of meeting, and right? And Numbers chapter 1 is going to tell us that he speaks to, to them in, in the, the tent. tent. Well, and here's where they enter the tent in nine, uh, chapter 9, verses 23 and 24 of Leviticus, right? Mm -hmm. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 23 and 24 at the end of the chapter. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions of the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. They have received life. Mm -hmm. They have received grace. Mm -hmm. God is not going to kill them, even though they deserve it, mm -hmm. for violating the covenant, for breaking the covenant, making an oil. God has repaired and restored the covenant. Yeah, I think and that's the key, them. Cole. I think God has repaired and restored the covenant. That's right. He has repaired it. That's he right. has made it possible for them to repair, to 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 come back into the into his presence. That's right. That's what that's what he's done. They didn't do it. He did it. Huge he's, day. He's done it. And I mean, and he did it by all of the all of the the first eight verses of the first eight chapters telling them this is what you do, this is what the right. priests have to do, this is who that this is all that's gonna to need to be done. That's why it says it burn up the, the burnt offering and it burn up the fat portions because he's already told them this is what I require of you. That's right. Death had to happen for life to begin. That's right. That's what, what has to happen. Yep. You know, when, and, when when you have a breaking of the covenant, when you have sin under the picture, death is death is the result absolutely death and chaos and destruction yep. is the result and we're gonna we're gonna really see that in numbers yeah we're gonna really yep. see it because yep. numbers is all about rebellion the people yeah, and, rebelling and against the, god the, 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 you know that's why this is so connected why the old testament so connects to christ because because something has to die to repair the relationship between god and man that's right and he has to be he is the one that's gonna he is the one that's been prophesied he is the one that all this points to all of it, this here, this burnt, this burning of the burnt offering and the fat portion, that all points to Christ. He is going to be that that offering, that fat offering on the altar, you know, hanging on that cross, so to repair the relationship and restore that relationship, so that man can have a relationship with God, never to be, ne never to to need another sacrifice ever. It is the one all for all time. Christ is one hundred percent our sin offering. Now we're not getting into the into the nitty gritty of the offering. No. So no. there's there's all sorts of offerings being offered. There's a sin offering that that covers and atones for sin, right? And then there's also things like burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. These are different. Mm -hmm. And those things both in Christ's life and our lives are different than sin. So like Romans chapter 12 and we've talked about this before. Romans chapter 12, right? What is what is our walk before God? It's a pleasing aroma. Our good walk before God is a pleasing aroma. Spiritual act of worship, offering our bodies a living sacrifice. That's burnt offering. That's yeah, the burnt offering absolutely. language. Mm -hmm. So all of these offerings, you're absolutely right. All of these offerings point to Christ. Christ is our sin offering. He's our covering. And that's what all this stuff is pointing to. This is the shadow of the things to come. If we, we look at Leviticus or Hebrews rather. Um, so it's a huge day. I mean, this is, think of the significance, right? This is the British have surrendered to the Americans. Yes. This is, I mean, and it's bigger than any of that, right? Because that's just between the British and the American nations. I mean, this is, there is no, almost until Christ, there is almost no comparable day to this. Well, what they don't understand at this point, and why would they, that this is going to be immensely important for the world. Yeah. They don't absolutely. understand that. They're only looking at it as it's, as it's for the Jewish nation, right. which is true at that point. But what has God already told Abraham? Through all your nations. seed, all nations will be blessed. Right. Paul has such a problem with them because they just can't wrap their mind around the fact that God would save these heathen dogs. 
these Gentile, you know, despicable lowlifes. Can't, they can't understand it. And yet that's exactly what this is pointing to. Right. But they don't get it. Just because, just because we don't get something doesn't mean God, God doesn't have a plan that we, that's beyond us. Yeah. And you see, when you see that confusion even in the apostles, I mean, if you start reading through the New Testament, you get the impression that the apostles thought Jesus would have come back a lot sooner than, than he, he does, right? So. My, my class on Wednesday night was from Acts, and we were in Acts 23, and, uh, and he, or 20, yeah, 23, and he said, and, and in, a, in a vision or in a trance or what, the Lord comes to Paul and he says, take courage. He said, I, he said, just like you preached to the Gentiles and, or just like you've done to Jerusalem, you've got to go to Rome and do the same thing. And I asked him, I said, why did God, why did God have to tell him be, be courageous? Why? You think it's possible that Paul had had a, let, a meltdown for a bit? I mean, he'd already been beat up. Both his eyes are black and blue. He's got a broken nose. I mean, they beat the garbage out of him. Yeah. They, the Romans thought they were going to kill him. Well, they, they beat the garbage out of him, and then they're they're working as hard as they can to kill him. Yeah, and and I said, I, I asked him, I said, why in the world would would uh, would God have to 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 remind Paul? I got this because he was starting to have a letdown. The, the only only explanation, and and you know, here he's got to he's got to keep reminding them over and over. We got to remind us. We got trying to remind you guys. Hey, there's so much to this that connects us to that. Absolutely. That we don't get it sometimes. And I, I tell class all the time. I told I told some of my classes, I said, you guys really need to watch the Wednesday night stuff. Because we're trying to help you guys connect the, the old and the new. Because this is the book right here, Leviticus. This is the book that everybody quits read, reading the, the, the Bible. That's right. That's where they quit. Yep. We're trying to help you to understand this is why it was written. It was written so that you could have life. So that we would understand what it is that Jesus is doing. I mean, how easy is it to... You know, and, I, and I've talked about I've talked about this before, but it's it's all about perspective. What is it that God wants to achieve? You know, things go wrong in our life, and what's the response when things go wrong? Mm -hmm. Who do we blame? God. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. We never take a step back and go, wait a minute, why why did things go wrong? Why am I suffering here? Am I suffering because maybe I did something wrong? Am I suffering because maybe somebody else did something wrong? Or is it none of those things, and it's just a fallen world, and I'm suffering because you know it's like when somebody gets cancer. You know, why did they get cancer? Well, they got cancer because it's a fallen world. This is a fallen world. And why is it fallen? Because of sin. Mm -hmm. Because of sin. Because people are in rebellion against God. God didn't create cancer. He didn't start cancer. He didn't do any of that foolishness. It is an aberration from a fallen world, from That's a exactly fallen right. creation. That's exactly and right. so we look at God and we get upset. Well, it's your fault, God. No, no, it's not. No. You you want to be mad? blame somebody? Blame Adam and Eve. <laughs> what? No, don't, don't even blame Adam and Eve. Blame <laughs> sin. See, we don't, we, we think of, we think of sin as like, I did the wrong thing and it's sin. That sin is a power. It is a spiritual power and authority. It has a reign and a kingdom, right? Death reigns because of sin, right? So sin, death, these are things that enslave us. Hate that. When things go wrong in your life, when things are, are bad, don't look at God and blaspheme God. It's not his fault. God's trying to do good things. Mm -hmm. Do we understand that? What is God working towards? This is sinful people. What is he working towards? Is he working towards their destruction or their salvation? Salvation. And that's what we need to have in mind. Absolutely. God is and always... he's not only working towards their salvation, he's working towards our salvation. Absolutely. He's working, to, he's working towards the salvation of mankind. Very important. And I, think, and I think when you start listening to people talk, and you start listening to preachers talk, they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue, man. You know, and, and, it, and it's just... It just it, it hurts me that people understand and give God the credit for, hey, this is not about 
the one sin you committed last week. This is about the salvation of your soul. And that's what God's trying to do here. And let's look at what happens here. With yeah. that perspective, with that, per what is God constantly working towards? Let's see what happens in, in Leviticus chapter 10. Aaron's son Nadab and Abihu took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. That wasn't the only thing they did contrary to his command. You know, the text points out that, hey, well, they offered incense that was that was contrary. There's all sorts of things. This, all of the things they did, look at every single verb that they did, mm -hmm. all of those action all words. Wrong. All wrong. All of it's wrong. All of it's wrong. Aaron's sons, wrong. Nadab and Abihu took their censers, wrong. Put fire in them, wrong. Added incense, wrong. wrong. Offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. That's two wrongs. It's the wrong fire and they're the wrong people. Yeah. It's all wrong. Okay. Mm -hmm. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. And everyone loses their mind. What happens when sin enters into the presence of God? That. Yeah. Sin and God cannot exist in the same sphere. This whole system is about getting sinful people into the presence of God, getting God into their presence without destroying them. Why? Well, in Leviticus chapter 10, we get an object lesson. Yeah. yeah. When sin enters into the presence of God, it is immediately and violently destroyed. God doesn't want to do that to people. No. He doesn't want to do that to people. Notice, God didn't... <laughs> and it even tells us, and I think Second Peter, it tells us that God doesn't want anyone to perish. No. But all to come to repentance. God did not move his holiness into their presence and vaporize he them. He moved us into, the, into well, his presence. Well, they moved themselves into well, they his tried presence. To. You know, I mean, if we, we take a step back and remember what's the structure of this this mm -hmm. tent, right? So you got that out, large outer ring that makes the compound, right? And it's and it's it's an open air compound with this lar large covering, right? This large tent, this tent wall covering, right? What's that to do? To prevent people from just walking in, yeah. right? It's supposed to kind of keep regulation. What what is it? that's designed to keep people safe? Yeah, that's what it's really there for. It's to keep people from just walking in to the presence of God and being obliterated like this. Why? Because sin cannot exist in the presence of God. That's number one. Then they have another tent inside that tent. So there's the compound. So if you're walking into the compound, you're going to meet a Levite. You're going to meet a priest. You're going to meet somebody who's going to help you navigate this holy space because it's holy because this is yeah. where God is. Yeah. So we're going to meet you at the door. We're going to help you navigate this holy space. Then in the middle of this thing, there's another long tent. And this long tent, you will never enter into unless you're a priest, right? Because you're getting closer into the presence of God. So then you enter into this only tent. Certain, only certain people. Only certain it. people. Mm -hmm. Then at the back of this long tent that's in the middle of this compound, there's another heavy curtain. And only one person is supposed to enter into that room. One, the high priest. Exodus chapter 30 tells us that. Only one mm -hmm. person. And how he enters, we're going to go over this in Leviticus 16. But he, they've already been told in Exodus 30. How you enter that tent, that portion of the tent matters because that's where the glory of the Lord is. Mm -hmm. And so if you just, nobody, you just, you can't have anybody enter in because everybody has sin. Everybody has problems. Even the high priest can't just walk in there. What, what, you know, I think maybe we need to explain why this is so significant to us. Why, why, what can we learn from this? Because it is all a shadow, right? This is all, this is all foreshadowing 
what Christ is going to actually do. Yeah. Christ is going to enter in to that most holy place, not the one built of human hands, but the one, the actual temple in heaven. He's going to enter into it. it. And it's a, it's a heavy load to, to try to wrap your mind around. It is. I understand that. You know, it is. This is all about physical. And what Jesus did was ushered in the, the spiritual. That's right. That's what he did. And this is all physical. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do that. You can do this. You can't do that. Do this this way. Do it this way. You know, that was all physical. These guys physically walked into the presence of God with, with a fire that was not authorized, put incense in that was not authorized. They weren't authorized to be there. It was supposed to be their father was supposed to go in there, not them. And he was only supposed to go in once a year. And when he went in, he was supposed to, with this with fire, he was supposed to take in blood. Wrong people. Wrong, wrong time. time. Wrong offering. Yeah. yeah. I mean. What were they thinking? Well. But, it's, but, it's, but Cole, it's just like you have people today. Yeah. You know, we, we wrong time, wrong people, wrong, wrong. Everything's wrong about what people do today trying to worship God. They're trying to worship God the way that the, they did it back when they made the golden calf. Well, they're trying to do whatever they want. That, that's, that's essentially what it is. And, and it's, not, it's not just worshiping. It's they're going to force their way into the presence of God. And I, I tell my Wednesday night class, uh, not this Wednesday night class, but my Wednesday night class this all the time when we're dealing with covenant. You don't get to dictate covenant terms to God. You don't get to dictate to God how you're going to enter into his no, presence. No, he and does that, that. And that matters. Because he's the one that's making, you know, I want to read a couple more verses. Sure, okay, sure, look, sure. look at what it says. He said, so now, so fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. Okay. So we know that if you go back up to chapter nine, look what it says. It says the fire, the, the verse 24, mm -hmm. uh, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portion of the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and left and fell face down. This, this, this got their attention. Oh yeah. This got their attention. And, and it says, it says, so fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them and they died. Do you think, you think that people that were around this tabernacle might've known that something really um, unbelievable just happened? I think that's a distinct possibility. They may not have seen it because they weren't there, but they knew something bad happened. Aaron's going to go into, into mourning over this. Look at what it next said. It said, Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. You know, Aaron just lost two sons. Because they were they were too arrogant or whatever or stupid. I don't know if they were stupid. They were uh, arrogant. Later in the text, it, 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 it insinuates that they were drunk. It's in, it insinuates. It insinuates. That it doesn't come right out and say it. But essentially, after this episode, the Lord says... If and if I don't, I, I've never heard that. Where is that at? So that's uh, either Leviticus 16 or 17. But he, he oh, said okay. it's, it's in... We'll get to it eventually. Yes, we're going to get to it. But it's in the admonition when, when the Lord says, hey... You know, in the future, when you guys are serving, when you have the anointing oil on you and you're serving in the tabernacle, mm -hmm. you will not drink strong drink. So it, it's the insinuation is it doesn't okay, come right it doesn't out and say, say it. it. Just it doesn't come right out and say it verbatim, but the insinuation well, is my, these guys. My thing drunk. is, I'm looking at this, and I'm and I'm, we're kind of creatures of sight and and feeling and and pain and, you know, if I'm if I'm standing there with and I'm right there next to my father and I'm Nadab. And I see the, the the glory of God. Of course, I can't see God, but I can see this pillar of cloud or pillar of fire. And all of a sudden, and fire comes out and burns up that that offering. That gets my attention. Sure. That gets my attention. Uh, 
there has to be something going on with me where I would forget that and and try. What was walk, I thinking? Walk right walk in. Walk right into his well, presence. Moses and Aaron did it, so I, I it must be okay for me to do it now. You're not Moses and Aaron. <laughs> they learned that, didn't they? The hard way. Yeah, they learned the well, hard and way. And he says, he says, among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Do you think God's changed any of that mindset today? Is he, the, is he the same today, you think, as he was then? Maybe not the same way, but he's still, if you're going to come to me, yeah. you know, I'm going to be proved holy. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to be proved holy. If, if, he said, in the sight of everyone, I will be honored. So if, you're, if you are claiming to be a Christian and you're not striving to prove God holy, you're not striving to honor him, he is, that's why Jesus says, Ben, you're going to come to me on that day. He said, Lord, didn't I do all these wonderful things? He said, man, get away from me. I don't know you. Yeah, and it's, a, it's an important thing to understand. He didn't say, try to do all these wonderful things. No. He said, didn't I do all of these things? And we Jesus were doing go, all these wonderful things. Yeah. In our works. sight. Well, making a golden calf was a wonderful thing in their sight. They thought it was a, it was a fine thing to do. And, you know, and I, and I remember First Peter chapter 2 says, we are a chosen nation, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. How'd that happen? How does, the, how does God look at the church and say, and through Peter, say, you are a chosen people, a, a royal, a holy nation, I mean, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. How does he, he does that because he's drawn us to that. He's Absolutely. drawn us into that presence. We didn't do anything. There's nothing we could do because we're sinful creatures. We can't abide next to him because we are sin. Same thing happens to us, happens to them. Absolutely. If we come into his presence. That Absolutely. Way. That's why we'll never enter his presence. We'll never enter into heaven in a in a in a realm where we are still a sinful being. That doesn't mean we're not gonna sin, guys. First John chapter one tells us if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Well, yeah. so while we're still in while we're still here, living here, before we put on the imperishable yes there's still sin but something happens mm -hmm. something changes and the scriptures really don't go into it very much but something happens that when we shed the perishable when we die and we receive what we've been working for we receive salvation and we're raised imperishable right because that's what we're all working towards yes. is this mm -hmm. you know or looking forwards to moving towards um eternal life with him when we have a body like jesus then all of a sudden there is sin is dead jesus said he said, when two or more gather in my name, there I'll be among them. Mm -hmm. Okay. When Jesus died and resurrected and ascended into heaven, he became, he sat at the right hand of the father. Mm -hmm. Can't go into his presence either. Can't go into their presence at all with sin, with, in a, in a, in a sinful, sinful lifestyle. And you yet, know? and yet we can, because Hebrews chapter four yes. says. Because it tells us that his blood washes, but it doesn't mean, but when you couple first John with that, it says that it says, if I say I have no sin, I'm a liar. The truth's not in me. But if I walk in the light. But if I walk in the light and have fellowship with one another, the blood of his son cleanses me of all my sin. That means if I come to him on his terms, if he draws me to him the way he does, he washes me with the blood. Then he continually washes me with the blood. But it doesn't mean, you know, if he, if the, if, if I don't have any more sin ever, then he, there, why does he need to continue right. to cleanse wouldn't me? need it. Right. Wouldn't need yeah. it. Because I do sin. Absolutely. And some of them are horrendous. Some of them are horrendous sin. You know, but when we come back to him and, and he said, he said, he'll continually wash me as yeah. long as I walk in the light and have fellowship with other people. You and I both know that we're both sinners. Absolutely. We know that there are things that we do in our lives that we should not be doing. Absolutely. You know, we don't do them as much as we did before because we're moving away from that and moving towards God. But we need each other's fellowship. 
we need each other's we need each other's forgiveness we need each other's compassion well, to understand that it, we, what we what you really need to understand is there is no forgiveness outside the church I mean, First John makes it really clear: as we walk yes. in the light, as He is in the light, the blood of, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Christ continues. If if someone says they have no sin, they're a liar. But if someone says that they hate their brother and sister, then they're a liar, and the truth is not in them as well. Yeah, yeah. Our our forgiveness, our continual forgiveness, that continual washing of the blood of Christ, that ability mm -hmm. to step into yep. the throne room yep. of God and receive mercy, all of those things hinge on our fellowship, our love for one another. And if we don't have that, if we don't have love for one another, and I see plenty of people, I see it on online all the time. Well, I don't, I don't need the church. Yeah. I don't need to be a part yeah. of that. Yeah. What are you talking about? You want, if you want, do, I mean, do you want to be cleansed? All that tells me, Cole, is that they don't know what the book is talking about. And there's a lot of prominent preachers out there. They never preach the book. They don't preach the book. Yeah. They preach their idea of what they think of, of, of God would be. Yeah. And they're going to fall way short. And we're going to talk about that. By the time this comes out, yeah, we'll have talked about that this past Sunday. And and, and, and that's so, you know, and I, and I listen, and these are named guys, people that that we said they'd know. You know, you can't, this is, to preach about God is to preach about sin and unholiness coming into, into a, a purity and holiness of God. And how does that happen? Well, on every given Sunday, that's what you do. That If I'm doing it, I'm doing, I'm doing it in my own class. You know, we're going to do that. You know, these guys try to come in the presence of God and and not use the the, the things that God said to do to make them in a place where they could be there. Well, they couldn't be there anyway. They couldn't. And I think that's, that's so, so important to, to understand mm -hmm. is these guys, these two guys absolutely could not enter in to the presence of God the way they did. It was just impossible. They were not the right people. It's, I mean, it's not even just the the wrong offering. Even if they had the right offering, they could not offer it mm -hmm. because they're entering into that second room in the tent mm -hmm. where only the high priest is allowed to go. Yeah. Only the high priest. And we're going to look at Leviticus 16. He's supposed to enter in with incense. And that incense, the whole purpose of that incense, even after having sinned sin offerings and even after doing all the offerings and even after being cleansed under this system, that incense is supposed to create a cloud to protect him from God. Yeah. Imagine for a second, you bring in, you're the wrong people, the wrong day with the wrong offering. Ain't nothing protecting you from God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's not a thing. Yeah. Why did these guys get vaporized? Because God's evil? No, because they've got sin and they're entering into the presence of God on the on basically the reclamation day. Yeah. For Israel. Yeah. Of course they the got reestablished the reestablishment of relationship and they and they mess it all. And why did they do it? And Leviticus chapter, it's either 16 or 17, makes it really, really clear that likely they're drunk. They're just they're drunk. And there were probably, to be frank, there were probably a lot of Israelites in this celebration at this moment probably who were drunk. drunk. They probably, you think the priests were the, these guys, these guys are working in the tabernacle. You know, if they're well, drinking, you I think the people outside the gate are drinking? I've been drunk before and and a, and a really bad thing happened. He'll sober you up in a hurry. You know, they didn't, now, even, get, mean, they didn't you, get the opportunity. You see what happens next? Look at, yeah. It says Moses in verse four summoned Mishael and Elzapan sons of Aaron's uncle Uzael, 
and said to them, Come here, carry your cousins outside the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. So they came and carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp, as Moses ordered. You know, we're not touching these guys. You come get them, y'all carry them out, and get them away from the sanctuary. This is, this it's, is, and then, and then look what it said. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, do not let your hair become unkempt. Do not tear your clothes or you will die. And the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But your relatives, all the Israelites may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting or you will die because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did his most. What does he, he tell them? You can't even mourn. These guys screwed up. Yeah. You're, they're dealing with a holy God and they screwed up. Don't worry for them. Don't mourn for them. They screwed up. Well, and why? Why? Because notice he says it's okay. Look what he says here. But your relatives, all the Israelites, may mourn yes. for those the Lord has destroyed. Yep. So we're, we're starting to see a really important aspect of being a priest. And this has major implications for us. Absolutely. Okay? Major implications Absolutely for us. Does. They are acting as priests. And what do priests do? Priests are, are God mm -hmm. to the people. They are God's representatives to the people. And they are the people's representatives before God, right? Mm -hmm. So that is a dual relationship. Mm -hmm. Now think of that as in within in this context, they cannot weep and mourn as they are serving before God and are supposed to be God's representatives to the people. It's okay for the people to do so. And it'll be okay for them to mourn when they are done serving. Yes. Okay. But think of the implication for a second. Because of that relationship, being God to the people and being the people's representative to God, right? God's representative to the people, mm -hmm. the people's representative to God. That's the relationship. It has implications. What are the implications for the church? Because the church are royal priests. We are supposed to be a priesthood. Jesus is supposed to be Absolutely. our high priest. We are supposed to be God's representative to a lost and dying world. That's exactly right. Exactly our, right. So the question we've got to ask, the question with, our, with the remaining time that I want our people at home to think about is... If you are in the church, you are supposed to be God's representative to the people. Are you serving like Aaron? Are you serving like Moses? Are you serving like Uziel and his sons here? Or are you serving like Nadab and Abihu in such a way that brings great dishonor on our God? You, yeah. The only person who can answer that question is you. That's exactly right. And, and, it, and it, because here he said, he said, in the sight of all the people, I will be honored. That, did, that isn't just for them. That's not just for them. That's for now, too. He said, I will be honored. You know, and, and that's why it's so important for us to, to, to be the very best we can be all the time. I mean, are people looking at you? You know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. How horrific is it when, when, I'm, when I find someone out in the world or we have someone from the world come, in, come into the building here and they realize, oh, that, oh. that person worships here? Mm. Oh, you, I, I can't, I don't want anything to do with y'all. What? How is that individual living their life out in the world? And this is what happens when we turn Christianity into a, into a Sunday date deal, right? I'm a Christian on Sunday. And then the rest of the week, I'm the answer is you're not actually a Christian. You're not actually a Christian. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've said. I don't care how you've, I don't care what you've done as far as rituals and all of those things. None of that matters. If you're out in the world, supposed to be God's priest, God's representative to the people, and you're living like everyone else to and such bringing a- bringing honor to God. And bringing dishonor to God, right? Well, but you're, you're supposed to be bringing honor to God. You're supposed to be bringing honor. You're bringing dishonor to and God. And showing holiness to him. Go back and read Jesus' word in Matthew. 
I'm going to say in those last days, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. There is a clear expectation for members of the church to live a life that brings great glory and honor to God. We are his priests in this time. And if we're not living that way, if we're not, I mean, and that's just living that way. That I would say that's like the base expectation is that you live in a, such a manner well, that brings glory and you honor know, but, to God. You know, Cole, a lot of people, maybe we need to continue this next week because we're running out of time. We're going to be here another 20 minutes. Keep talking. You know, a lot of people, they, like you said, they play church. Yeah. They play church, you know, and when you understand what the significance of all, what you were trying to tell them Sunday, what the significance of the offering and the communion was and, you know, and how important it's supposed to be and how, how, how seriously we're supposed to take this, you know, what we're there for, you know, like I've said many times when I got there, I think, I think that taking the, the, the communion is the most important thing we do. I don't think it, no, no offense to you or to me or anybody else preaching. I think sure. that's a that's a side note, you know. I've been Dan. I've been looking forward all year to getting to do what I did this fifth Sunday. And, I've been planning it and planning it and planning and it. it. And, it, and you know, <laughs> I agree and with you. I don't think people understand how important it is what we do. Yeah. You know, we come to church and we play Fine. games. You know, we're seeing who's here, what they're wearing, how how their how their hair is, and all. You know, are you kidding me? On any given Sunday. Did they say the right words? Did they stand up, sit down in the right places? Did they? On any given Sunday, in any church anywhere, there's a percentage of people that come in that place, they're going to die and go to hell. It's legitimate. Yep. So anyway, we'll pick it up next week. All right. We'll pick it up right there next week. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to learn from, from these two these two men and from this whole experience. Father, we need to keep you in the forefront, keep you uh, the holiness that you deserve in the forefront. And we ask for forgiveness when we don't do that. Father, we know that, uh, that you, de you deserve the honor and the glory and the holiness that you require. And we know you deserve that. And we pray, Father, you help us. Be patient with us as we strive to learn and to grow and, and to get past the things that we do that are, that are not in accordance with your will. And Father, help us to, to always to be willing to say thank you for, the, for the, what you've done in our lives to draw us to, to that place of your holiness through your son. We thank you so much for that. Bless us as we take him on and as we become more like him and we, come be, and we take advantage of more of what he has, has blessed us with. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.